Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Alex. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and we are on episode 106. My name is Tim. I'm going to be your host for this episode. Unfortunately, Dan can join us again for this episode. His work schedule has been pretty hectic as much as he wants to. He's just unfortunately not able to. But joining me for this episode is Josh Paul Hawkins joining me again, making his return. Josh, welcome. Ahoy, ahoy. <laughs> yeah, great to have you on. It's been a while, so... Plenty of exciting news to catch up on with you, so it should be a good Yeah, man, this should be good. <laughs> oh, yes. So, as always, uh, before we get started on our main topics, we got the Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary to get through, and it's got to say, it's a little weird now to be going... Before, this was the last Batman movie we had, but now that we have Batman v Superman, this is <laughs> not the most recent one, so it's a little strange now. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Man, this could go a little faster, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So, on this episode, we're going to be going from minutes 56 to minutes 57. And, uh, as always, you can go ahead and grab your old VHS copies, your (laughs) HD DVDs, LaserDiscs, all those I would applaud someone if they had a VHS copy of this, man. That's dedication. (laughs) I will say, since... I'm someone who has a bunch of copies of Star Wars on VHS and DVD yeah. and now Blu-ray. So if, I believe the last VHS that came out was, was for Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith oh, really? never got one. Gotcha. Obviously, Force Awakens never got <laughs> not going to well, get VHS. Released. I'm just saying, like, if someone was like, you know what? Give me that movie on VHS. Like, that would be amazing. I, yeah. I would want to shake that person's hand and, like, t- have them tell me their life story. <laughs> I, I would say I would buy... Revenge of the Sith and The Force Awakens on VHS that they came out just to have a complete collection. <laughs> right? Just to be like, you know, I, I got the bookend. <laughs> exactly, yep. <laughs> but I doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> but anyway, we'll go ahead and start in three, two, one, play. And we got Bruce talking to Alfred as he just entered the Batcave in the Bat. And I gotta say, I always like sequences where we get Bruce of the bat suit without his cowl on, or sure. just his like, normal face on there, but still with the bat suit. Yeah, I believe this is the first time. But I mean, haven't you been longing for that scene where like the cowl and the cape are one piece? Yeah, <laughs> like I really thought that we were gonna get that in Batman v Superman because that's the way it looked at Comic Con mm-hmm. when they were showing the the cowl and and, and cape, but we didn't get that. But it's okay. I mean, it's a minor gripe. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean, though. Yeah, it would be one of those like comic, more comic accurate thing, or for, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, series that us like hardcore geeks would just like would appreciate. <laughs> right, right. But it's always great to get a like some type of scene like sure, that. yeah, yeah. You just have him in the suit with because that's that. You know, we how many times have we seen that? We probably see that at least once on average a comic of him in the bat cave without the mask on pretty much yeah so i mean i'm down <laughs> yeah I think this is the first time it happened in the dark knight trilogy because in batman begins he took it off once he brought yeah, rachel did, back did he, did, well didn't he take it off when he uh when rachel was in the cave yeah but it was only from behind like we never got a front shot and then when in in batman or in, in the dark knight he was holding the mask in his hands when he was sulking about rachel that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And he, he was in the suit in the middle of the day in the penthouse, which is weird, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, was, he, didn't, he didn't have his cape on in that scene, I don't think. No, no, I don't think he had the cape on. Yeah, that's kind of what threw me off. This one in Dark Knight Rises, you got everything. <laughs> cape on, front <laughs> shot. <so. laughs> it's the best one. Yeah. 
All right, so that wraps up our minute-by-minute commentary for Dark Knight Rises. And before we get into our feature topic, Josh, I got to ask you, um, we're still two weeks out from Batman v Superman, but what was your reaction for the movie? What did you think about it? Well, I liked it. And, I mean, that doesn't mean I liked everything about it. That doesn't mean that it's not a movie with problems. And uh, it doesn't mean it's not a movie that is devoid of dialogue. But um, I think that there's a plan in place, and I think that the title is very poignant because people always say that things are darkest before the dawn. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, when you saw the directors of the other movies come out, I mean, that said, you know, my movie's not going to be that dark. And you have the the Lego people writing the Flash movie. You obviously can see that a lot of levity is going to be brought to the universe that – obviously wasn't in the dark night right or um in batman v superman and that was unfortunate i mean i i honestly don't think that scott snyder or uh scott snyder, Zack snyder <laughs> we did the exact same thing a lot in our last episode we confused yeah, scott I, I don't <laughs> i don't think that Zack snyder understands the character of superman nor does he understand what people want to see from superman like when he was hovering over the house and he was bringing the person down from the burning building, the music was so distracting. I was like, this is supposed to be a happy moment. Mm, yeah. Like, why are why does it feel like a funeral death march that he saves someone? <laughs> you know? And so that was very unfortunate. And I just think that Henry Cavill is ha- hasn't been given very much to do as Superman, there, there's only he, he, there's only one dimension to his Superman, and unfortunately, it's been very unsure of himself and whatever. So, when he comes back to life, and unless he is kidnapped or unless his corpse is stolen by Darkseid, which that's my that's my personal theory, I think that the corpse is going to be stolen by Darkseid, and he's he's going to be made into clones, kind of like. Uh, they did or tried to do in Justice League, and they successfully did in Earth Two. But um, I think that that's going to happen. But if he doesn't, he better be you know just farting rainbows because <laughs> we need to have a Superman that's a little bit more sure of himself and a little bit happier to be Superman and a little bit more assertive when it comes to being Superman. Yeah, I kind I pretty much agree with what you were saying there because there's something has to change because my whole thing was. Man of Steel, I loved, and I was okay with that version of Superman because that's his first time as Superman. He'll grow into yeah, yeah exactly. He wasn't oh. Superman yet. But in this one, still two years later, he was still pretty much that same version of Superman that we saw in Man of Steel. So I'm kind of ho- there with you. Where after he comes back to life, he well, was- and just the moments that we had with him were so wasted. Like I loved the scene where they blew up the Capitol and whatnot, but they yeah. didn't. They didn't use it in the right way like i wanted to hear superman give his side i wanted to hear him say i'm sorry like i i did what i could and i made mistakes and you know i will be better Mm -hmm. and we will work together you know i wanted to hear that but we never got the movie that i thought we were getting in the question of do we need a superman yeah you know and hopefully that will come and i mean uh, aside from the Superman stuff, obviously, you know, let's just say Wonder Woman was badass. Oh, yes. And, uh, 
I I was punching the air when she laughed at Doomsday. And that was yeah. amazing. <laughs> that was awesome. Like, that was a little bit of levity that we needed. She she was the comic relief in this film, and that's not saying very much. <laughs> you know, because there's barely any. Yeah, and I mean, I love that she was able to get one over on Bruce. And when they were talking on the uh, computer with the the program, the 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 Justice League files and what whatnot. Did it not kind of remind you of that uh, episode of Justice League where they were in Europe and they were trying to find the Viking, uh, the Viking immortal guy? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it reminded me of that so much because they were talking on the computer yeah. and whatnot, and they were working together on that case. I was like, wow, that really reminded me of that. I doubt that Zack Snyder meant to do that, but you know, <laughs> uh, but you know, aside from that, let's let's talk Batman. Um, I think that that first scene with, with, with you know the, his his side of uh, his side of the end of Man of Steel was brilliantly shot. Yeah, and uh, was really good. Like I really felt like I understood why he was pissed. You know, um, I can't necessarily say that. I understand, you know, the way he went about things completely. Um, I really wish that we had more interaction between him and Superman and Lex and Superman throughout the movie. Uh, I don't feel that any of the moments were were really earned that we got. Yeah, I did feel the same when I first saw it, like that feeling of uh, it would have been really great if we got that one solo Batman for movie first and a sequel to Man of Steel first. Uh, you see, I'm not, I'm not in that camp. I didn't really care. I just think they could have done better with what they did here. Um, I, I, I'm so ready for what happens next, though. Like, despite this movie kind of being, eh, I'm so ready for what's next. Oh yeah, so like, so am I. <laughs> I, I, I want to see what they do with uh, the Justice League. I want to see the next Batman film, which it sounds like uh, if we I don't know if you have if that's in your news, but we can get to that later if it is. Um, and I, I, I just want to see what, what happens next. Like this movie just did not dissuade me one minute from wondering what's going to happen next, even though what happened happened. And when it comes to Batman, yeah, he killed people in this movie. Let's be honest. He straight up killed people. And I was like, what the hell is going on in that nightmare, in that nightmare sequence? (laughs) But then you have to step back and realize, you know, this is the world on the edge. You know, this is war. You know, even in war, Batman understands, you know, it's war. Mm -hmm. Shit happens, you know, like that, that, that's just the way I take, kind of take it. And, you know, I think that, you know, even though... For the first time, we finally got a connection between Superman and Batman's mother's being named Martha. Once again, that moment wasn't earned, you know? And it just kind of felt a little goofy, unfortunately, when it could have been beautiful. See, I that was the one scene where I had no problem. I love that moment. I, I didn't have very so much quickly. problem with it either until people started explaining to me their point of view. And yeah. I was like, I see yeah. a a lot of people still complain about that or not, not clicking for them, and I just disagree well, so much with that. Cause I, think, I don't think they're me and you that have loved this character for so long that I've been waiting for a moment that like Bruce and, and, and uh, 
Clark have even talked about their yeah. mothers having the same name. <laughs> yeah, I just think people miss the point in that where they just yeah. say, oh, she has the same name. That's why it hit Bruce. No, it's not, yeah. it's not it. It's because, first of all, anytime you're going to mention Bruce's parents, that's going to like sure. resonate with him right away. It's right. the fact that she's being held hostage and going to be murdered again like his mother was. That, right, absolutely. That's the thing that gets him. So. Yeah. But, I mean, it, like I said, it just wasn't earned in, in certain ways. And that first meeting between him and uh, Superman, it, it should have been more like the meeting that we got in the original Batman-Superman animated, where oh, yes, they kind of fought a little bit, and then they found each other's secrets out and stuff like that. Man. Like, that would have been cool, you know? But we got what we got, which wasn't uncool. It just wasn't great. Yeah, just not as great in... I think it should have been. And I, was yeah, I, you know. I, I will say, too, I saw it a second time. We'll probably I did, too. Several episodes where our updates on our viewings, but <laughs> I did enjoy it more the second time than I did the first time. I did, time. too. And I think it was only because I knew what was coming, so exactly. I, I knew how to feel. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't. I, I was really thinking that, you know, there's no way that they were going to make this as dark as Man of Steel. And somehow they made a way to make it darker. And, that, and that's that's fine. That it's his movie. He can do whatever he wants, but I don't think that he's in, he's in tune with what the people want. Yeah, clearly, <laughs> judging by the reviews. And with uh, Batman, I I think that Ben Affleck's gonna knock it out of the park. Totally, yeah. <laughs> no, like I said, he was he's not at the top of my favorite live action Batman just yet, but he definitely has a chance to do that with more movies. Um, line. Yeah, if if he, if he can give moments that aren't as forced. Like that, you know, don't believe everything you hear, son. If that moment didn't seem so, like, pushed in there because everything else was just kind of pushed together, mm. um, I, I think it would have been awesome. And I, I can't wait to see this three-hour cut because I think a lot of things are going to be brought out to the for- forefront and it's things are going to make a lot more sense. Yeah, same here. I'm like, that, the three-hour extended cut could either, like, really help with the pacing yeah. issue they had with it, or it can make them yeah. worse. <laughs> I'm well, curious to see how it's going to play out. I don't understand why they cut out the scene where Lex gets arrested and you see uh, Steppenwolf or whatever is going yeah. on with their boxes. I don't understand that. Like, why cut that out only to release it the next day? Yeah, that was really weird. I, <laughs> <that> was, <laughs> I've never seen that before with a movie, but it right. add more context to everything. Like when he, how he got arrested, and his whole vision. Like if that's how he knew about Darkseid at the very. Well, and did you see the thing with LexCorp uh, tweeting out that they were halting operations and they'll be back in 2017? Oh, really? No, I didn't. Yeah, there's a thing on Twitter and Instagram that said, you know, we, we don't condone what our leader did, but and we're halting our global operations, but we'll be back with our next big project in 2017. <laughs> what I really hope is that Darkseid's forces... This would be amazing. Like, this would be the boldest move in movie history as of right now in our era. What they do is they go out and they find a transgender actress and they make her the CEO of LexCorp. And who do they make her? Come on, Tim. Who do they make her? Granny goodness. (laughs) I knew you were going to go someone with Apocalypse. Everyone's like, is it going to be like someone in the. Granny's Furies or Granny herself? or Granny goodness, dude. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, because um, when you were saying that, it was kind of making me think of a little bit of Final Crisis, how, you know, some of the new gods yeah, yeah, yeah. were, like, amongst the just as regular humans. Sure, they sure, were going to yeah. go that route. That could be an interesting well, way to do it, too. Well, but I, at the same time, like, 
uh, yeah, the, that was the way that Shiloh Norman was, you know, that was Mr. Miracle and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, obviously, Granny Goodness could, I mean, yeah, if they could, you know, disguise her or whatever and make her infiltrate LexCorp, that would be great. Yeah. I, and it would be a bold casting move. Um, it would be, it wouldn't feel forced like some of these, you know, diversity for the sake of diversity moves are. So, yeah, I would be down with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that brings all this together in Justice League. What yeah, yeah, and uh, did you hear that the Justice League one might be uh, a war with Atlantis? Yeah, I've heard that too. Because we know at least from certain interviews and like production designs, like there's going to, Atlantis is definitely going to be in it, but just how yeah. much? And now this came up it was like, well, not what I expected for a Justice League, but we'll see. It could work, right? Right, and, but it, it makes sense now that poster. Uh, uh, unite the seven. Mm. It's not necessarily about the Justice League. It could be about the seven seas. Yeah, uh, I hope that's not the case. Though that'd be kind of weak if you ask me. <laughs> unite <laughs> the seven for Justice League is so much better. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm like I said, I'm just waiting for what's next, man. I'm, I can't wait for Wonder Woman and Suicide Squad is gonna set, is gonna be awesome. I don't believe for a second that all the jokes were in that one, were in that one trailer. Mm. But you know, people will believe anything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it sounds like good. You and me were kind of on, for the most part, on the same page with Batman v Superman, having the same yeah. reactions afterwards. So, yeah, um, uh, I, 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 I will watch it again. I don't think that it has the rewatchability of like The Dark Knight. Yeah. But I will probably see it at least three more times. Yeah, definitely gonna have more viewings. I mean, I, I don't know if I'll go to the theater and see it three more times, but I will, I will see it at least three more times. <laughs> I'll probably see it one, probably one more time in the theater. Yeah, probably one more time myself. And then a bunch of times when it comes on. Maybe even this weekend, since I'm downtown and the theater's right there, <laughs> and we're at Comic Con, so. <laughs> hey, that's like a perfect way to wrap up a day at a comic convention. Seriously, right? <laughs> go to see a comic book movie. <laughs> but. Now we can get into our featured topic, which is, speaking of comics, going to be all about DC Rebirth. And I know it's kind of catching up on some news from two weeks ago, because our last episode was just all on Batman v Superman, as I think it should have been. So we're going to be catching up on some of those <laughs> new stories that came out during that time. So the big one was, of course, uh, DC Rebirth and DC announcing their creative teams and their titles for a lot of the books that have happened there. Uh, especially the bat books so kind of go ahead and give our reactions to the creative teams and the new books that are announced and what we're excited for so uh, did Josh, you watch the video <laughs> i was just gonna ask you that same question <laughs> yes i watched it live <laughs> i didn't watch it live i did watch it later or actually the next day inside okay and yeah it was a pretty cool panel i liked how they did it i mean they yeah it was smart jeff johns and Jim Lee, Dan DiDio come out, introduce or talk about it first. Then they introduce all the creative teams for each, like member of the like the Bat Family team, the Superman team, Wonder Woman, uh -huh. Justice League. I thought it was really cool how they did it and yeah. got the creators to talk about it. So it was, I think, a well done or well put together panel. And the fact that they streamed it live was really cool too. Yeah. So starting off, of course, we have to mainly focus. Yeah, on let's the go. Let's go here, like so. team by team. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read off the announced teams for the bat books here so batman we're gonna have tom king as the writer with art by david finch and michael janet and that's that's one that's gonna ship twice monthly we got detective comics written by james tinney in the fourth with art by eddie barrows and alvaro martinez and it's another twice monthly book and then nightwing 
which is uh, going to be written by Tim Seeley with art by uh, Javi Fernandez and Marcus Toe. It's another twice monthly book. Batgirl is going to be written by Hope Larson with art by Raphael Albuquerque. And that one's just uh, a one monthly book. Then there's Batgirl and the Birds of Prey written by Julie Benson and Shauna Benson with art by Claire Rowe. And we got, I'm trying to go through here. Um, the next big one, that's right, All-Star Batman, which is going to be Scott Snyder's book with art by John Romita Jr. and Jock and Sean Murphy. It's another twice-monthly book. And then we got, not necessarily in the Bat Family book, but Batman-related titles like Harley Quinn, going to be so written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. And then there's Suicide Squad with Rob Williams with Jim Lee doing the art, which should be pretty cool. It's Obviously makes sense since Suicide's going to be the next big DC movie. You probably want Jim Lee, your best artist, working on that <clears> title. <throat> then there's, Let's just hope that he can keep up with it. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Red Hood and the Outlaws, which still surprised me when it was announced originally that this title's still going on. It's going to be by Scott Lobdell with art by Dex Soy. And um, then there's Deathstroke with Christopher Priest. I don't know necessarily that's in the Batman family, but it's on the list that <laughs> I'm at right here. Uh, and then there's sure, why not? yeah, <laughs> and then Batman Beyond, which is written by Dan Churgens with art by Bernard Chang, and thankfully this one's going to see the return of Terry McGinnis, so I was happy about that. So out of all these titles and creative teams, Josh, which ones had you the most excited? Um, well, I definitely want to read Batman. Tom King is an interesting choice for me. Uh, hang on, just a second. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, Tom King is an interesting choice. I didn't like his Convergent stuff, but everything else that he's written is interesting. I like his CIA background, which he couldn't shut up about in that video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I just hope that it, he takes it in a bold new direction. And not every story ends with Gotham burning and just silliness, you know? And. Uh, so I'm excited with that. I definitely want to read Batman Beyond because that book has been kind of weird ever since it started after Future's End, and it looks like it's starting to get back to basics. Um, That's good. Yeah, because Batman Beyond was one I read the first two issues on, but I, I just didn't click with me. I didn't, I didn't like Tim Drake being Batman. Just, why, would you Batman take Beyond, the, you know? why would you take the chief reason that people like Batman Beyond out of Batman Beyond? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um. Let's see what uh, Detective Comics looks interesting. Um, I I always like Detective Comics though. So what can I say? I'm I'm kind of actually concerned about Snyder and All Star Batman because of what we've gotten with All Star Batman beforehand, <laughs> and which isn't even finished. And I'm glad you they know, talked about that on the video too. It's like, oh, yeah, finishing like, what I said. Are you just are you just tired of me not being able yeah. to drive? <laughs> um, yeah. What about you? What what are you into? Yeah. So for me, obviously, All Star Bat All Star Batman is one I'm excited for, intrigued for, just because you know I can't wait to see Scott Snyder tackle some other villains that we he hasn't done before, and I can't wait to see his take on him. I know he's building two face up. That it's going to be in continuity. They said it is, yeah, but it's probably so, gonna be its own thing where it won't affect the continuity, like it won't contradict anything. But at the same time, it's not going to be, you know, probably adhering to, or making a point to make sure it fits with everything. It's probably uh, set in a I time period. That, that he doesn't go and make like weird changes to characters, and then everybody has to like follow that. Yeah, 
She's I don't like, think... what's the point of taking him off the main book if he's able to do that still? <laughs> yeah, I think the All-Star, the titles, is probably getting him a little more leeway to do what he wants, but not necessarily yeah, you know, yeah. change a bunch of things. So, sure. But I will say the one that got me most intrigued and can't wait to read to see how it is is Detective Comics because it's going to be more like a, a team-based book. I mean, you got yeah. Batman and Batwoman kind of being in charge of this new Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I have that in the back of my mind. I didn't even bring that up. Duh. <laughs> it's got Cassandra Cain part of the team, too. I like her costume. It's harkening back to the her old-school Batgirl suit, which I really loved. So. Well, that, her costume has been like that kind of throughout the Batman and Robin Eternal. Have you been reading that? Okay. No, I haven't, which is why okay. I didn't know. <laughs> I... I I have read about half of it now, and I still don't understand what it's about other than a long introduction to Cassandra Cain. (laughs) That makes me feel better for not reading it, (laughs) or at least right away. I probably will read it eventually, but... Yeah, I mean, I would wait for it, wait for the trade or something like that. Yeah, but yeah, you got a new Bat team dynamic. The only thing that's a little disappointing about it is Nightwing's not a part of it. I always like it when Nightwing is part of the... Batman family, which I'm sure he'll pop in. Well, yeah, that whole Nightwing and Batwoman dynamic when Grant was on the book was yeah. aces, Dan, for sure. And then we got Tim Drake in his classic Robin costume. It's still being referred to as Red Robin, but seeing that classic yeah, did you see the Robin. R-R. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> so weird, it. man. Like, why, just make him Robin. Yeah. Why can't there be more than one Robin? I, there, there's like seven Robins right now. <laughs> <laughs> What's one more? <laughs> but yeah, I just love that they got. Well, I mean, we are Robin. Was... Like, do they always do they always like call themselves we are Robin, even if there's only one of them? Or I am Robin. <laughs> <laughs> I am Robin would sound better, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like an I am Groot type thing. <laughs> so that's cool. I love that Tim Drake has like classic costume back, and that's going to be part of the team again. And then also. But has me really intrigued is what is Clayface doing there? Why is he a part of that team? That's what kind of really got me really curious about this book. I just can't yeah, wait. Yeah, there's it. that. And then there's the whole Killer Croc, Harley Quinn. They were on the front of the Rebirth uh, art. Yeah. Like, what are they doing, man? Are they, are, I mean, the, there's one thing with the Suicide Squad, but like, are they really redeeming these characters or what? I know, because Jim Lee kind of made it a point in that video to talk about that these are two pairings of characters that he's really excited about did they say which clayface it is is it basil i believe it is basil carlo yeah okay so he's probably the most tragic of them so i wouldn't mind that so much Mm -hmm. yeah i mean (laughs) probably not gonna be a shock for me to say this but going i was actually just watching the episode yesterday uh mudslide with matt hagan yeah yeah. animated series yeah they could do get like clayface to that type of level where he's that tragic of a character and you really like one of those sympathetic villains, if they can bring that into this and him as part of that team dynamic, that would be awesome. So that's what kind of got me a little more excited about it too. If they, you, you like, you like Matt Hagen more than Basil Carlo. I'm more familiar with Matt Hagen's from the animated series. I, I haven't read too much of Basil Carlo. I know his origin and read a few stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, him, he's, he's, he's the original. Yeah. <laughs> but his, the thing what's cool about the animated series, they, Combine well, all the different clay faces, like their origins, into one character. They just the, gave him the, the Matt Hagen. The reason why I ask is, what what was Matt Hagen's Matt Hagen's uh, origin? Was he was an actor, right? Yeah. Mm. Well, that's Basil Carlos. Exactly. Mm. Origin. So they kind of did the whole Tim Drake, Jason Todd thing. Yeah. So. 
Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, obviously, there. there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a you know a splicing of the two, but um, maybe Matt Hagen was just a better name at the time. I, don't I know. think that's probably what they were going for. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the first one who was the shapeshift clayface because Basil Carlo never had that until later on. Like, wait. Uh, yeah, Basil Carlo. I mean, he could. He could make his things and he'd make his arms into things, but he couldn't like change into people. And yeah, whatnot. exactly. So, yeah, so. Detective is one I'm really excited about. And Nightwing, I mean, glad that Dick Grayson's back in the Nightwing suit. And <laughs> I loved how they made it a blue Nightwing, too. Exactly. I, was, I actually kind of like the red Nightwing suit. But then again, when, when it first came out, I was kind of laughing, like, what is this, 1997? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I lived with it. But deep down, I always preferred and wanted that blue one back. And I love that they kind of oh. stuck it to Dan DiDio in the whole <laughs> front. Uh, dude, conference. Dan DiDio needs to just take a seat. Which, this is. This is his fault. Like, mm-hmm. the, if he would just shut up, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it was kind of good that they he didn't have that much to say in this. Uh, I I would put him in a room and just leave him there. Yeah, like a lot, he was the butt of the joke for a lot of the writers and like even Jeff Johns in this video or that. They need to they need to like fire him and not let him know and accidentally give him a paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why that's another thing that I'm kind of excited about Rebirth more. It looks like it's really more in Jeff Johns' hands than it is yeah. Dan DiDio's, and Jeff Johns and definitely has a better track record. It, it sounds like it's definitely more in his hands, and it makes me wonder just how much he was really wanted to go with the new 52, you know, he put so much work into infinite crisis and green lantern rebirth. And obviously blackest night all only for it all to get scrapped, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, um, I wonder just how much he really wanted to do that and how much of it was a decision by, uh, Dan Didio. Yeah. I think you're 100% right. And as, like, as the new 52 went on, it was like they kept saying when it started, oh, like all the stuff you read for the most part is going to still happen. It's in continuity. But as it went on, you found out a lot of the stuff didn't happen or just got too convoluted where it contradicted itself and it couldn't make sense where all those past stories, there's no way it could happen into the new 52. <laughs> um, it, it makes me wonder if – because right around the time the new 52 happened, that was when uh, Jeff Johns got that big promotion. Yeah. I wonder if they gave him the promotion just so he would go along with it. <laughs> you know, you know how all these office politics stuff works, like you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, obviously that shows a really cynical side to me. But uh I would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, those are the stuff we're excited about on the Batman and front, but as far as the rest of the DC universe, what are some of the other titles that have you really excited? Oh, I can't wait to read this Super League uh, with the the, the uh, pre fifty two uh, Superman and our Superman, and then Action Comics is going to be all pre fifty two Superman all the time. And That's so awesome! <laughs> oh man, they're doing such a good job with that story. And the idea of it. And I'm so happy to read it. Like, I want more all the time. And uh, it makes me, it, you seriously sit back and you feel like you're having a, a, a hangout with an old friend, mm-hmm. man. It's just so beautiful. And it's such a good idea. And it's the one time that I really felt that DC listened to its fan base because so many people were like, I just want one book. That has the old 52 Superman in it, you know, and and this one does. And it's so just it's just touching. 
and it's it's very cool to see him have his ideas of what this new brave world is and uh i i, I can't wait to see what they do with it so let me ask you this josh because as i was watching that the Superman section of the video, it was getting me pretty excited for the Superman books again because I haven't read super, any Superman titles in so long. But as I was okay. watching it, it was like it made me think that, oh, I, looks like I might have to catch up on certain stories to get invested in some of these new Superman titles. Do you think that's going to be the case with action comics? Like, I kind of got that feeling. Um, back and read some well, I, I would probably read Lois and Clark. Okay. And um, aside from that, I don't really think that you'll have to catch up on any Superman stories. And that's a story um, that's taking place with the pre-New Fifty Two Superman and Lois. Yeah, that, it's its own book, and they're only they'll only have been about six issues in by the time they get to uh, Rebirth. So. Okay. Yeah. So the new book or new titles that I'm really excited for in the DC universe is I can't wait for Wonder Woman. I mean. I read um, Brian Alzarello's run in the New 52. I yeah. loved it, but after that, it kind of dropped off, and I haven't read it. I can't time. remember who the writer is. Is it, is it him? Um, no, it's going to be Greg Rucka, which has... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever read Greg's original Wonder Woman run? No, I didn't, but I kind of liked it. Uh, it's <laughs> one of the best Wonder Woman runs ever. Yeah, and I love how... I mean, I'm still a little leery on how well the twice monthly is going to work but i think out of all of them wonder woman sounds the best because we're going to be getting one you know that's just set in the current timeline but then as they greg rocket described it we're going to be getting kind of like her year one story and her origin and well, i can't wait i mean that. i think it's going to be a lot easier on everybody that there's not going to be so many books like when they brought out 52 books that was nuts yeah <laughs> You know? I mean, knew right away not all of them were you know going to do well or be good in quality either because it's just impossible. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, so I, with Greg Rucka's enthusiasm for it, I mean, I loved hearing what he had to say on the on the panel and how it was kind of a surprise when they brought him out. So having him on the book and having the twice monthly have one be in the current timeline, one be in an origin story, I'm pumped. Mm-hmm. And the artwork they showed for it looks really cool too. So Yeah, no. That one's pretty high on my list as far as non-Batman titles. It's so smart, man. Yep. And then Green Lantern, um, I'm excited for. I'm intrigued. Uh, we'll see how it works. But before they had the writers talk about it, I was kind of thinking, oh, another like Earth a human Green Lantern that's going to be part of the core? Cause, yeah. Well, this, I think they're up to six now. So, but, well, I mean, and the whole Power Ring character, If you have you been reading Justice League mm, at all? Yeah. Mm. Well, it's kind of a mess of a character as it is, and I'm not very hyped up on it. And, you know, Simon Baz was like kind of a shock to the system as it was. And they like, haven't done much with him. No, he's, he's been like, look, we're diverse. And then they stuffed him in a hole somewhere. Yeah. I, I don't know what they've been doing with him. And they're also hailing this as like a return as, of, of Hal to the core. And like I didn't even get a, 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 an idea that Hal was not in the core. Like have I been just out of the loop or what? Um, well, current Green Lantern was, yeah, it was pretty much, you know, he was a renegade. He, oh, yeah, he was on the run, huh? Yeah, so it okay. looks like he's totally going to be, you know, without hiding anymore and part of the core. But, oh, well, they made him sound like he was missing and, like, like he wasn't even around or something like that. But, okay. So I do kind of <laughs> like it where it's, I mean, I would rather Hal Jordan be with the Justice League because I love his dynamic with the team. But it looks like uh, Simon Baz and 
I'm blanking on her name right now. Power Rangers. Jessica something. Okay, right? yeah. So they're going to be the main Earth Green Lanterns and part of the Justice League, kind of being trained by the, the, the rookies. So that can have a maybe a fun dynamic to it. And, you know, how Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner, they're going to be out in space with the core, probably a different sector. So it could work, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, Jessica like, Cruz. That's it, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm interested to see how the new Green Lanterns or the rookie Green Lanterns, as I call them, going to work with the Justice League and their title Green yeah. Lanterns. See how that goes, and then you got Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, I believe. So yeah, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, I, also I just want to see how Superman is really going to be in the Justice League and whether they're going to like swap out Superman or because with Super League. Is Batman, Wonder Woman, and two Supermen. So we'll mm. see what happens. Yeah, I've heard this theory too because I think they said there's supposed to be a big character death in the one shot for Rebirth. I've heard some theories that maybe it'll be the new 52 Superman who gets killed and then the pre one. Well, but that doesn't killed. make any sense for the whole premise of Superman being, you know, Superman is there and Clark Kent is there and it kind of does the whole, you know, Batman uh, when Dick. Or Alfred, like you know, we're dressed up as Bruce. Okay. Like it's it's kind of that idea. Um. So well, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. I definitely don't know whose hand that is in the rebirth thing. I think yeah. it might be. I think it might be Superman pre fifty two. But aside from that, I don't know who else it could be. Yeah, I'm really pumped for that one shot. And yeah, pages. it's gonna be good. Eighty pages. Two ninety nine. <laughs> I'm yeah. shocked that they said that too. For I'll that take one two. Shot. Wrap it up to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, overall, I'm really excited for DC Rebirth and the creative teams and the stuff they have planned for it. So it's kind of anxious for it to get going and hurry it to be made so we can. Yeah, I mean, they they, they uh, announce these things like three months before they're supposed to happen and. Like we're we're just like come on, give it to me now. I want it. In my, I want it in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the waiting's the hardest part. But uh, we got a few responses on Twitter. What I put, okay. put out what people were kind of most excited for. We got a response from at Speculum Fight. He says, "I think it's interesting what they're doing with a Wonder Woman title, two issues a month, but odd that it's dealing with the past." And then he goes on to say that. Overall, I'm excited for the whole DC Rebirth. I stopped buying single issues long ago, but I'll definitely pick up the one-shots and probably the first story arc for most characters. So that's I love hearing stuff like that because I'm kind of in that same boot or same boat. I haven't dropped off totally on comics, but it's definitely not collecting as much as I used to. But the fact that with me and then with at Speculum and Fight here that it's getting us back to you know being excited to pick up those monthly books again, or at least the first arc to see how they are. So... Yeah, that's definitely good to hear. And then our buddy Mark, he says, I'm most excited about Nightwing, Flash Trinity, All-Star Batman, and of course, Batman, Tom King. He says, I'm excited about it all. So definitely more optimism I'm seeing here. I'm sure there's going to be some some skeptical and skepticism people out there about the new 52. (laughs) Everything (laughs) when it comes to Rebirth has been good. And so far, yep. they're they're hinging everything upon that brand, and that brand just ushes goodness as of right now. I really, if they, I mean, if they screw it up, they'll never be able to use Rebirth ever again. Yeah, that's what Jeff Johns was really kind of uh-huh. concerned about at first when they told him this. So that's what makes me confident too that he knows the importance of Rebirth, and he wants to make sure they get to this right. When it comes to the first uh, Twitterers' uh, comments, I wish that all the books were one in the present one in the past like that would be great 
It yeah. would be like Batman Confidential or Legends of the Dark Knight, you know? Yeah, when I heard that about Wonder Woman, it just made so much sense. Like, that, that to me justifies the reason for a twice-monthly book more so than you would maybe just getting two titles out there that are, like, in the same... continuing the same story. Maybe it'll be a different story. I think they already just stressed that the one issue, like, odd issues might be one story, even issues might be a different one. But still, when you're doing one in the, pre- the past and the present, I think it works so much better. But... Yeah, so DC Rebirth, just hurry up and get here. We're excited. We're ready for you. <laughs> so just yeah. get on next month. I'm I'm ready for it, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get some more, uh, you know, juice on it this weekend on anybody who's involved in it. Hopefully, Ruck is there this year, like he was last year. Yeah, that'd be cool if you can. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he won't say much, but just like I don't know, have some type of little conversation. About He's him. such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy yeah. while also being an asshole at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that'll do it for our future topic, and we can get into our news discussions. Not very much. The big one. I know this one's kind of old too, but I can't do an episode without mentioning it. That it's official. Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill are back as Batman and the Joker for the Killing Joke, and. Besides being super excited about it, I have to say I had a relieved feeling too because <laughs> we've heard inklings and like rumors of stuff about them coming back for it. There was maybe little small teases, but it was never confirmed. And as soon as that it was announced that they were going to do the voices for Batman and Joker in the new Justice League action cartoon, sure. yeah. I thought, uh oh, does that mean that's all they were doing and not the killing joke? I got a little worried, I got to be honest. Yeah. But. It's official. They're doing it, and I couldn't be more happy because this story well, it has I mean, it had to happen. Wait a second you you had a you had a uh, concern that they weren't doing the Gilling joke. I, it did cross my mind a little bit once they were announced for the Justice League action. Yeah, because that was they weren't announced for this yet, and we knew they were like working together on something. And when they said, "Oh yeah, it was Justice League action," that was it. That kind of oh. got me worried. Like, okay, maybe they aren't doing. Oh you know. yeah, yeah. Okay, that new Justice League uh, cartoon. Right? Yeah. Okay, I yeah, I forgot about that. So the fact that they're doing this, uh, I just can't wait. And they tease that little image out there with Joker or, or and Batman together, and it looks like it's capturing the art style of the Killing Joke. Well, did really you good. see? Did you see the video? Um, yeah, it did come out. It was a little weird because I know it's not officially like released yet, but there's like these weird like, oh, yeah, breaks was, that were was, in there that it chopped it leaked. up. Yeah, <laughs> so it it looks yeah. awesome. Yeah, it looks awesome. Everything is good. The art style is great. Obviously, it's it's always been kind of weird for me to see them in a different art style than the animated series. Mm. But it's like their voices perf- are so perfect for those characters. It, yeah. It's any style. <laughs> Absolutely. Me. And uh, the, the the one of the best things about it, like just uh, stylistically, is they brought back the animated series Batmobile. Yeah. Style. Mm. And they put the bat face on it from, uh, <laughs> from you know, the, yeah. the Batmobile. And also, too, I'm glad they're bringing back Tara Strong as Batgirl and Barbara Gordon. Because I think her performance as Batgirl in the new Batman Adventures was a little underrated. I always liked it. She was pretty much probably my favorite actress to play Batgirl as the voice actress. Yeah, she's coming back for it. It's good. Yeah, I'm glad it's like a Batman the Animated Series reunion type of thing. So. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it's just so sad that we couldn't get... Uh, Commissioner Gordon back. Yeah, bless his soul. He's he's moved on. Yeah. But uh, Bob Hastings, he was awesome yeah. <laughs> as Gordon. Yeah. So whenever I hear Gordon, I hear Bob Hastings. I don't know about anybody else. I'm right there with you. Yep. 
And, uh, I mean, I'm sure that J.K. Simmons will be a great Gordon, just like Gary Oldman was a great Gordon. But it'll forever be Bob Hastings for me. Right there with you. So, yeah, Killing Joke, it's going to premiere at Comic-Con in July. So I believe it'll probably come out not too long after that. So I cannot wait for this. It's looking as awesome as I was hoping it would be. So can't wait for it. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time to be a comic book fan, man. Oh, that's for darn sure. <laughs> All this stuff coming out, movies, comics, and these animated movies, video games even, lots of awesome stuff. And I know you alluded to it earlier when we were talking about Batman v Superman, Josh, but yeah, they are doing some reshoots for Suicide Squad. The reports were that they want to add more humor for it, but then you hear things, oh, it's for more action, but... I don't know, I'm not really too worried about it. I mean, re- they do reshoots all the time, but I do wonder if it was because of the reaction that Batman. Well, I think it is in some ways, but I also read a story with David Iyer being interviewed that said, you know, you're going to be surprised that this movie actually is pretty funny. And that's just naturally funny, kind of the way that even though, I mean, it, there weren't very many jokes, the Heath Ledger was naturally funny. Mm-hmm in um the dark knight you know like when he was when he held his hands up because he was caught handcuffed and he's all like i've been here with you you know and just little stuff like that like i just want my phone call you know like stuff like that and like in the in in the uh in the the uh trailer for suicide squad there's the moment where I i think it's captain boomerang He's sipping on a beer and stuff like that. Like, that's natural, funny stuff. Like, we don't need one-liners all the time and stuff like that. And I really hope that that's not what they're going in and doing. And I, I really hope that if, it, if it's so, David Iyer's doing the writing. They aren't having, you know, a comedy troupe come in and yeah. be like, well, this could be a lot funnier here, here, and here. You know? Yeah, and hopefully so, like, it would have the humor that he already has in the movie, but maybe just a little more scenes with more of it type of thing so yeah i think it'll, it'll still be fine nothing to be worried about but i'm yeah. sure it, it got the warner brothers executives thinking with all of that maybe superman backlash and all well i mean it it just really was not fun it was not a fun movie unless you were a comic book fan that understands what they're trying to do and where they're going and you could you could basically give the movie the heart that it lacked you know yeah, and at the same time too, I was like, it not especially with Batman. It doesn't need to be fun. In no, absolutely to be good. not. So it's like I've seen a little bit online too. But at some the same, worry about mm-hmm. how they overreacted with Batman Returns being so dark, and then it just went oh, yeah, the extreme yeah, with Forever. Yeah, so I don't, yeah. <laughs> hopefully that doesn't. Uh, happen. Hopefully that does not happen. That better not happen, yeah. or else like you learn your lesson, Warner Brothers. But at the same time, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, with Batman v Superman, by the time we got to that Batman fight scene, like that totally saved the movie. But at some, for some people, I'm sure it was too little, too late. Yeah. You know, mm. like we yeah. needed a little bit more action before that. Like and, we could have used a Batman Superman fight scene, or a, a little bit more of Batman fighting those thugs that were doing the uh, that were doing the. Uh, human trafficking in the beginning or something like that, which that was a cool scene where like he climbed on the roof and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah, I agree with that. Cause all the cool and like main action bits, they all happen like 
one after another when she got to the Batman v Superman fight. I was expecting, you know, in the beginning there'd be a cool action sequence, the Batman and Superman fight in the middle, and of course the Doomsday fight with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman at the end. But it was all kind of oh. like at the end, and they were just one after another, which is cool yeah. when you're seeing it all play out like that. But in the beginning, you did felt it couldn't need that little bit of more like action sequence in there. Yeah. But and it makes me think that there's more there's more to it in that you know extra forty five minutes or so that we're gonna get in the uh, three hour version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they Zack Snyder alluded to that too. Where there are gonna be some more action stuff. Yeah, so. we'll see. But with that, we can go ahead and go into our listener feedback and slash listener with Alex section. And as always, Alex sends us an email. Okay. And he says, Dear Bat Brothers, thank you for your Batman Superman review. I always appreciate the positive light you guys shed on everything. You guys made me appreciate certain aspects of the film more than I did when I was in the theater. But now it's darkness time. I agree that Ben Affleck's performance was good, but I just wasn't fond of how he was written. The farthest I prefer a mentally unstable Batman to go was like when Silver St. Cloud broke up with him over when Jason died, where he would just become really sloppy while fighting. The Batman always treated life sacred, though, and he was much younger back then. I don't like this much older Batman. is much more immature than previous younger iterations. The Batman I love was inspired to become Batman based on a revenge field inspiration for an eight-year-old child. He got over being a damaged orphan, and he left behind his teenage angst when he became an adult and chose to be a compassionate hero. The reason why Batman is my favorite fictional character is because he's a man that has all the power in the world, but uses it to help others. He trains his body to near perfection and sacrifices everything to help others, even the most selfish and vile criminals. The reason I think he's better than all other superheroes is because he deals with the worst of the worst and can't rely on superpowers or brute force. Just watch an episode like Baby Doll, when he hugs the woman who just tried to murder a lot of innocent people because his, his heart breaks for them. This guy deals with the Joker in Black Mass and doesn't break his moral code, although he gets tempted a lot, but that makes him human. The guy entrenches himself on a daily basis but never becomes a hate-filled mess. He might lose his temper and smack a Robin, but he'll make up for it. I didn't feel like I watched Batman in Batman v Superman. I felt like I watched a childish version of The Punisher. And he says, you're not brave. Men are brave. Give me a break. Heck, Punisher is just a soldier that continued his war on the streets without any costumes or massive wealth deposits. And the Punisher is honest with himself. He doesn't believe he has any moral superiority over the people he kills. And when he kills, it's because he believes there's a 100% chance they will hurt people, not a 1% chance. I know this is supposed to be a Batman in a funk, but the most heroic part of Batman is the way he deals with the psychological stress of it all. This Batman lost the one bad day argument in The Killing Joke. This Batman can't argue with Jason about not killing the Joker because he probably killed everyone but the Joker. Maybe their moms had the same name, so him and the Joker are best buds who <laughs> share sips of grandma's peach tea. <laughs> so, Alex, I know you're a wow, man, Batman. That was, that, was, uh, that was a very harsh... Yeah. <laughs> it, he's not the only one. I've seen a lot of people like this. Yeah, I mean, you make great points. I mean, this version is not going to be for everyone. I mean... It, this, it's part of the why the movie isn't as successful, I think. It's a, it probably should have been with Batman and Superman in it, because it's not a bat, version of Batman or Superman that not everyone is drawn to. And everyone, it's one of those things where, you know, they've been around so long, everyone can has the right to do their own interpretation. And for the most part, for me anyway, Zack Snyder doesn't, you know, go totally overboard well, with his, like, I what mean, has Batman there, and Superman At do. any point other than in the nightmare scene, which that obviously didn't happen, um, was there any point that 
the villains didn't bring it on themselves in any way, though. Like he didn't kill the per- he didn't kill KG Beast. He shot him in the the uh, in yeah. the in, in his fire canister thing, and he'll probably be wearing a mask the next time we see him. The guy that was on the back of the truck shooting at him, he shot the truck, not the guy, and the truck kind of blew up. Obviously, he shot the trucks and stuff like that, and they blew up. Those people might not be dead. They probably are, but it's not like he held a gun to their head and shot them. So he was maybe using rubber bullets. It could happen. No <laughs> I would like if they were, but I don't think they. I don't think so. <laughs> Those would not look like right, rubber bullets. Right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just. I'm just trying to defend him in court here a little bit. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't all out kill anybody. That didn't bring it on themselves. The the you know he batted away a grenade and it just so happened to land where the guy was. That's that guy's fault. So I can kind of you know be safe. You know that that that's that dude's fault. Um, once again, I have to kind of harken back to this is a terrified Batman that doesn't know what he's up against. Has lost his humanity because one, twenty years in Gotham City, he's obviously lost to Robin. Was, there's a crazy theory on that, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, Superman offers this brand new world where he has to do anything necessary to be able to get the kryptonite to stop Superman. And he's the the the, the uh, moment where he stops before killing Superman, he finds his humanity again. I think that while well, well, once again, I don't think it was necessarily earned. Batman is back at that moment mm. and he realizes that he has been going about this all wrong and just because the setup was bad to it doesn't mean that this Batman's going to start killing people in the other movies that we see as well. I honestly think that he suspended his code for these very, very, you know, crisis-like measures when it comes to Superman and, you know, the people that lost their lives were really – they had just as much fault as he did. That's what I'm going to say about it. I agree with it for the most part. The only thing I differ was well, – I agree with you by the end of the movie, he is a different Batman. But after seeing it again, I think it's not at the moment you said. He definitely – you know, his view on Superman is different. But – because right after that, we see him kill more people with the machine guns and the Batwing. But I think what's going to change after that is when Superman died – and at the end, how he says he failed him in life, I won't fail him in death. I think that's where he, like yeah. the real switch came on. And hopefully, and that's in any where, movies, he's not going to be seen. We're not going to see him kill anymore. And that's why I said, you know, hopefully he was using rubber bullets and just things happened to blow up. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved it at some point. He just would have told Alfred rubber bullets, honest. <laughs> yeah, or like he would have said, Alfred, did you remember the rubber bullets? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have saved a lot of, you know, uh, me debating on certain things with myself as yeah. I see it <laughs> that would have yeah. really would have helped. And I mean, I, I think that DC is listening, and uh, I don't necessarily agree with he lost the one bad day argument, but I can I can respect Alex's point of view, and yeah, I wish that Batman were a little bit more compassionate in this, but like I said, this was you know crisis like proportions of problems and. You know, when that happens, you have to do whatever it takes to save the world. And he thought, let's not say that Batman didn't have his heart in the right place, even though his actions were wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
But Alex continues on with his email. This one, we're going more in Star Wars front. He goes, how about that Rogue One trailer, though? My only interest in the movie was to see Darth Vader. But I didn't even think of him once I saw the trailer. It looks awesome. Based on the premise, I think it's going to be my favorite Star Wars movie. If The Force Awakens was any indication, we'll finally get to see competent stormtroopers. I can't wait for this movie. I'm more interested in it than Episode Eight. Well, well, Alex, I'm definitely going to agree with you there because the Rogue One trailer was awesome. Maybe it looks totally like its own thing in the Star Wars universe, but I think Episode Eight is probably still more anticipated just because we're at Episode Seven left off and the introduction of all these great characters. But you know, I'm expecting Rogue One to be just as awesome as any other Star Wars movie. That trailer blew me away when I saw it. It, I think that if you were to take everything out of that trailer, that was Star Wars and, uh, you know, just insert uh, things that were generic weapons and whatever, it would probably be a really great movie. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you add that Star Wars element to it just puts it to another level. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, it's it's a gift that it's a Star Wars movie. And uh, unfortunately, it'll get so much more scrutiny because of it's, uh, it's a Star Wars movie. Yeah. But I think these movies, you're going to just have to take face value and uh, not necessarily lean so much on the Star Wars. Oh, man, that shot of the AT-ATs firing on that beach with those rebel soldiers walking yeah. through is so oh, amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> that Alex has some questions. He has some good ones here. Um, how would you rank the big seven in the Justice League from most to least appealing and why? And for me, he goes Batman, number one. Got, I think I covered that. He goes, number two, The Flash. I love how Wally West had more character development than anyone in the DC universe, and I love seeing him grow from an angsty child to a loving father. He works as a forensic scientist, so he's helping to save lives outside of the costume, and he doesn't even have a secret identity. He just wears a costume to honor his uncle and to help citizens be at ease, distracting from the notion that he's insanely powerful. Additionally, he's successfully helped to rehabilitate various criminals and even become good allies with them. And then good old Jeff Johns brought Barry Allen and threw Wally under the bus. <laughs> I hope he comes back at rebirth. <laughs> Number three, Aquaman. I love that he has the duality of being half human and half Atlantean, so he has a lot of inner conflict, especially when deciphering who is most worthy of his loyalty and at a given situation. I thought he rocked when he cut off his hand in the Justice League episode to save his son. Plus, he rules over a massive kingdom and can communicate with the freakiest creatures in the sea to mess jerks up. <laughs> Number four, Green Lantern. I love the idea that no matter who you are or where you were born, you wield a weapon that is based on willpower. Plus, he's a space cop, so he holds a whole sector of the universe on his shoulders. Number five, Martian Manhunter. The guy's, who hold, the guy's whole planet was destroyed and he had to watch his whole family be burned alive. Then Martian Manor comes to Earth to get experimented on, and instead of being resentful, he uses his power to help everyone. He spent his whole life as a Martian, but he has to change his whole identity to fit in with the human race. Number six, Wonder Woman. I don't know how much depth she has a character, but she's a woman warrior that deals with Greek monsters and gods. That's cool. Superman, number seven for him, because I'm fascinated by the notion that everyone in the city, even its greatest reporters and most brilliant supervillain, can't see through a pair of glasses and don't even notice that he is the cause for all the supervillains destroying the city. Maybe because they're terrified of him, since whenever he rescues them, he smashes up their homes. Thanks for coughing up <laughs> blood while crawling from a destroyed house, saving us, Superman. You really did, oh geez, my late good job of helping us. Thanks, guys, Alex. Yeah, Alex, I know you're not the biggest Superman fan, so I'm not surprised he was at the bottom <laughs> of your Justice League list. But, uh, Josh, how would you rank your Justice League member? Well, I mean... seven? Um, obviously he likes a very specific version of the Justice League 
and um, I've moved on from that version of the Justice League. Like, I can understand that why Martian Manhunter isn't necessarily part of our Justice League anymore. So, I'm just going to leave it at that and say uh, a quick rundown. Obviously, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, uh, Flash, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and uh, let's see, how many was that? Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. The only one you missed was Cyborg. It was the current. Yeah, and then Cyborg at the end. Yeah, mine's going to go with Batman for obvious reasons. And then number two is Green Lantern. Green Lantern is my second favorite superhero in the DC universe. Just the whole story behind, in particular, Hal Jordan, his origin, and then just the whole Green Lantern mythos and how they operate in sectors and the core. I just love all that. It's like Alex said, space opera stuff. The number three is going to be Superman. And number four, I'm going to go with Wonder Woman. Number five, I'll probably go with. Oh, definitely Flash, yeah. And see, if as far as what Flash, I, I love Wally West in the Justice League animated series, but at the same time, I'm loving Barry Allen in the comics now. So well, I think that Wally West in the animated series definitely informed the Barry Allen of today. Yeah, you can definitely see hints of that. But yeah, I don't know if I can either pick a favorite one. <laughs> both, yeah. Flash, both Flashes are awesome. So Flash number five. The number six, I'd probably go Cyborg, and then number seven, Aquaman. And not to say that Aquaman is, I'm not one of those people who thinks Aquaman's a joke and he's lame. He's just, out of all the other characters, he's just not above those ones that are in the current Justice League right now. So that would be my ranking. And as always, Alex, thank you for your email and your great questions. And I look forward to hearing you on our next episode. And with that, we can go ahead and get into our comic reviews. And as always, before we head into the review we're going to be going into full-on spoilers so if you haven't read uh, the book we're going to be recovering you probably want to hold off but this one is not very i think it's a few weeks old now so this is another one that we're catching up yeah, if you haven't read it shame on you yeah you probably <laughs> read it now if you're listening to this so um we're just going to be covering batman number 50 the end of the super heavy story that's been going on for almost a year now so before we get into it though got to give it a rating scale so i'll probably go with um Amounts of jokes that are going to be added to the Suicide Squad reshoots. <laughs> <laughs> so, Batman number 50. Uh, Josh, I'll go ahead and hand the floor over to you <laughs> for, for Batman 50. I know you've been wanting to talk about the whole run and Scott Snyder's... Uh, this is out of how many? Five. <laughs> five, okay. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go two and a half out of five. Wow, okay. <laughs> uh, please enlighten us on that two and a half out of five Suicide Squad jokes in their reshoots. Um, well, I, I didn't realize that we were going to turn Batman into an episode of the Power Rangers. <laughs> and um, I just feel like this story, you know, it had certain moments that were great. And I, I want to definitely elaborate more, you know, in our review section. But uh, I just think that Scott Snyder is... He doesn't write for a long game. He writes for specific moments. And uh, a lot of things don't make sense. And uh, a lot of things don't need to be included. And um, while, you know, he understands the relationships between Batman and Gordon and other characters and whatnot, and he obviously he created this character of Duke, which I really like Duke. Mm. I didn't think that Duke needed to be in this uh, 
in this uh, issue the way he was. And, I mean, that's not to say that I didn't like the way that Duke learned about his parents or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think it was kind of messy. And uh, it, it was coming off of that last issue, which was just weird. Like, it was Snyder trying to be Morrison. And mm-hmm. it was it didn't work. It didn't work at all. Uh, but when I, I am just glad that Batman is back, we're moving on. Gordon is back. We have we still have the institution of Wayne Powers, which was a brilliant add-on to the story after Batman Incorporated. And uh, I like the new suit too. So there you go. Yeah, for, I'm not the biggest fan of the super heavy story. Kind of like what you said, it definitely had its good issues and great moments but overall it just in the at the end of the day it really wasn't the best and just you know just one of those things that for the sake of changing things up and yeah. but you knew right at the beginning bruce is going to be coming back as batman which he did okay. but at the same time i gotta say it was still a pretty awesome moment when he did come back and yeah even though we're which is sad to say we're getting used to Batman returning moments <laughs> as Bruce returning as Batman, but this one was pretty cool. I still I, think my statistic is startling that within the last eighty-six issues of Batman, we've only had him for less than half. Yeah, like forty out of eighty-six issues, Bruce has been Batman. Yeah, like that has to change. Stop. Rebirth. It needs to stop. Yeah, <laughs> for a long while. Yeah, like this has to be the last time Bruce comes back as Batman for a good uh, <laughs> ten Very years or so. so. Very much so. But it was awesome. I loved how he came back when uh, Gordon was fighting those, uh, Mr. Blue. Oh, yeah. He just smashes him on the bat signal, that panel. Yeah, yeah. Just so really... Who died and made you Batman? That was a great <laughs> line, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I do agree. That whole sequence of Batman taking them down was really cool. It was just awesome to see Bruce back as Batman. And I really love the interactions that Gordon had with Batman here. Just really establishing, you know, their close bond that they have. And it, I will say that it does add a new wrinkle to that dynamic yeah. now that Gordon did take up the mantle as Batman. So that is something that they share now, which Absolutely. can go moving forward. could be something pretty cool down the line. And Gordon has some good like monologues about the whole issue at the beginning. And then at, yeah. kind of at the end where he's about to sacrifice himself, it yeah. had a dark night vibe to it when he was giving that speech, which is pretty sure. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind that at all. I think his writing of Gordon it was is good. Like I, I don't have any issues with that. The villain, um, I, I don't. I honestly kind of sped read through the villains. Like I'm talking because I'm important. Like his speeches and stuff like that. Like I was reading one review that said that it reminded him of Heath Ledger's Joker. I didn't really get that, but yeah, that's neither just... did I. Yeah, Mister Bloom. Overall, I don't think. Scott Snyder, for me, has done a great job with creating some new villains. I mean, no, none better than Court of Alice for him. But Mr. Bloom, not probably one of his best. I never got invested into him as a character or even his plan from the beginning. Were you going to do a rundown of, of the issue at all? or uh, Just kind of go through it as we're talking. Okay. It's like a free okay. <laughs> conversation. Okay. I mean, basically, you know, uh, when it comes to the entire arc of Super Heavy and really all of um, Snyder's arcs, I, I had this conversation with a friend of mine who also reads comics, and I got him into comics and stuff like that. And I, I wondered how what you would think of this, Tim. Okay. Scott Snyder is a cover writer. Hmm, go now, on. <laughs> let that sink in. Okay. 
how many times have we been given covers where we're like, man, that cover's awesome. I can't wait to see that moment in the comic. And it's never in the comic, but that moment's awesome. So you get these moments in his comics that are really cool, but the moments that lead up to those really cool moments are either weak, disjointed, or just don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, for this super heavy story, I can agree with that, but all his past stuff, I think for the most part, he's knocked it out of the park with the way he set things up and the payoffs. If anything, certain, at least with Court of Owls anyway, the ending of that one wasn't the best, but everything else was great, and but like, the family was great for me. Zero Year and Endgame, I thought, was phenomenal. But this one is the one where I think it, it, you do have a point with that being where there's stuff. There are great moments like the whole Batman and or Bruce talking with Joker on the bench. That was a great moment, but at the same time... Well, when, when Joker was about to, blow his, well, about to blow his head off and stuff like that, because he really thought that Batman wasn't going to turn back. Mm. That was brilliant. I loved that moment. Yeah, so there are there there are stuff there, but just in the lead up to everything, I agree. And like I, even when Bat, Bruce had to come back as Batman, uh-huh. I just felt it should have been something bigger than Mister Bloom, and just I don't know. It, it, well, yeah, there's that, and then the whole he actually needed to explain to people what was going on in that last issue uh, about the, like all the different Batman. Yeah. And, like if you had to, if you have to explain what's happening. You're not doing your job as a writer. It just, it just needed to be a li- I think it was a little more complicated than it needed to be, really. Yeah. Especially that last issue. But mm-hmm. um, for this issue, though, was uh, the whole thing with Mr. Bloom, it, yeah, the whole payoff, and it, I don't know, I agree with it. It just wasn't a satisfying well, character. It, like, it, turned into a, it was taken down. It turned into a mech anime episode, yeah. and it was weird. And like, why would you create a Joker bot? That was probably my biggest like, what the moment, <laughs> and just like it just sent out of place, and just you know, yeah. Why would he have that? It just you didn't even really see it get taken down or anything. You see it, but then right. afterward, it never. You assume Batman destroyed it, but right. you never see what happens to it. So yeah, did you see that the that the rookie suit was the Mach One for Batman Beyond? Yeah, mm. that's awesome. I love that. But yeah. uh, that's obviously a different issue. But um, so I did get taken back a little bit, like you said, where you, there's that giant bat mech suit fighting Mr. Bloom. It was it was like a kaiju fight, something out of Pacific Rim. It was Rim. so weird, yeah, man. It didn't and fit. I, but that and like the whole this the art in this in this issue was a lot like the first time that I read Final Crisis. I couldn't really understand what was happening because the the um the ratio of what was happening and the point of view that it was like just give you like the idea like it was a camera it was a weird camera angle you know it was very busy art and yes. so I couldn't understand what was happening and where it was happening at all times mm. but that 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 was just me I don't know how you feel about that there are some moments like that yeah it was busy that is a perfect word to use for it yeah yeah the whole mech thing it could have been left out it could have just been Batman taking on Mister Bloom by himself it right. just felt like it had to be a big thing for the sake of being at the final part of this issue. Like, you need that big action moment. And it just took away a little bit for me, unfortunately. But I will say, too... And that and the whole Julie Madison thing, like, it's so weird. But, okay. <laughs> I did like Duke Thomas a lot in this. And I will say, 
that moment where he confronts his cousin Daryl and he reveals that he was actually you know behind the whole Mister Bloom project and he was yeah. the first one. I bought into that. I thought that made sense, and especially coming off of what happened with Zero Year, he wanted you know citizens of Gotham to protect themselves if need be. But it, you know the person, yeah. whoever the villain Mister Bloom is, took it and ran with it in his own way. Sure. So it I did. A, it, like was a, that. it was an interesting twist. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that if I were paying attention more. To this, as like uh, just as a whole, I would have liked it more. But it was just more like a okay, that that moves the story along. <laughs> yeah. So I did like that moment with Duke, and he kind of proved himself. And what I really liked at the end, kind of in the epilogue, what really you know got me to like to be invested with Duke as a character, because we got that shot of when he was talking to his cousin that of his parents still under that Joker. Oh toxin. yeah, it's so sad. Like, yeah. I, I really feel for him that his parents will never be sane. Yeah, the shot of him, they're just sitting on the couch crazy, and he's sitting down there, and he cries. Ah. You see the tears, and you see Bruce come there. That's Like, that's the perfect Bruce, like Batman. That's Bruce. Right. That's Bruce effing Wayne right yeah. there. <laughs> it was awesome. That That's probably my favorite part of the issue, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, but what did you feel about the Julie Madison thing? I felt that Julie Ma- the Julie Madison thing went, like, she figured out Batman was Batman because of whatever. What? <laughs> yeah, because it's like she obviously knew beforehand, though, when she set the switch off in the previous issue to get his uh, memory back as Batman. Well, right. And I didn't understand how she knew that. And it it didn't really make too much more sense on this issue either. But if, yeah. you, can, if you, you can explain it to me, I would appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was something that felt like. You know, she saw everything like the dinosaur there, and she was, she's the smartest woman in America, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so no, it was like something they had to put in there, just you know, to show in this whole epilogue sequence of what Julie Madison's up to. Which I mean, I like that she kind of you know enabled him to be a normal person without having to go back to the terrible life that Batman is and whatnot. Which I can understand that. Mm, exactly. And I did like at the end, too, with Gordon, you know, Bullock giving him the badge back and becoming yeah. off a commissioner. And I like the monologue, too. Definitely. Definitely. How he said, coming, he gets like that flashback of him first coming to Gotham. And he's uh-huh. like, Gotham is like, he views you as like a challenge. And he was like, I'll, I was here before you and I'll be here after you. And then I believe Batman says kind of the same thing to him afterwards. The art was so good in that panel, too, when he's a, a younger Gordon with his mustache and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, overall, I was happy with how it ended. There were some stuff, like we mentioned, the whole mech fight <laughs> being a little out of place. But I thought it was a good conclusion to a story that I wasn't the biggest fan of, but it ended in a good way. So I'm going to give this one three and a half out of five jokes being added to the Suicide Squad movie in the reshoots. All right. So, but definitely excited to see, <laughs> you know. Oh, I'm so pumped, man. I'm so glad that my characters are back. And we're getting a bonus with pre-52 Superman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say out of every character, like a main DC character in the new 52 that needed its old version back, it was Superman. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad it's definitely going to be him. So Yeah. Well, and, you know, I loved Nightfall and Gene Paul Valley, but let's just say every every generation gets its Gene Paul Valley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're totally right about that. It looks like that is going to be a trend. <laughs> Uh, but with that that's gonna do it for this episode so as always go ahead and check us out at the batman universe at the batmanuniverse.net and you can find us on social media on facebook.com slash batfans podcast and you can follow us on twitter at batfans podcast 
And you can follow me on my personal account at TMG311. And Josh, where can uh, people find you on Twitter? They can find me at JPHawkins1047. Cool. And as always, you can send us emails like Alice did at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. And feel free to review us on iTunes and give us a positive review. It would be much appreciated. So, Josh, thank you for joining me on this episode. Uh, I've I've had such a good time. It's it's been too long. Um, I hope that you uh, have me back again sometime. And uh, thanks, Tim. I, I really appreciate our talks. No problem. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely have you back again. It's good to always catch up and talk Batman with you. So we'll look forward to seeing you guys next time. Later. Bye-bye.